Faith and hope is the light that leads us from the impossible to the possible. Welcome to the I'm Possible Radio Show. Good morning, good morning, good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Impossible Radio Show. Actually, the first episode of the new year. And of course, as you all know, this show, uh, Seasons, is now split into two. So um, there will be several episodes here up until March. And then it the season will resume again in, at the end of August. So um, shout out to everyone who is tuning in for the first time for the new year. Um, I hope that you all's new year has gotten off to an amazing start. But before I introduce my guest on today, let's get the formalities out of the way. So if this is your first time tuning into the I'm Possible Radio Show or JQLM Radio, and you would like to share with your family, friends, and followers on all the different ways that they can tune in, be sure to tell them to download the JQLM Radio app on their Apple or Android devices. You can also listen live 24-7, 365 via Amazon Alexa, TuneIn app, stream a simple radio app, and a host of other platforms of which can be found on our website, where you can also listen live at egoentertainmentnet.com. Also, don't forget to follow, like, and share us on social media. You can connect with JQLM Radio at JQLM Radio on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also connect with Ego Entertainment Network at egoentnet, that's E-G-O-E-N-T-N-E-T, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also on LinkedIn at Ego Entertainment Network. And if you would like to connect with myself, Lady J, I do accept friend requests and I follow back. Um, so you can connect with me on Facebook at Lady J Brand, on Instagram at LadyJ.co, on Twitter. I'm really not on Twitter like that, but I'm trying to get better. So um, you can catch me there at JQ underscore one. That's J-A-Q-U underscore and the number one. And on LinkedIn under Lady J. Also, don't forget to follow uh, the Impossible Radio Show, also as well on Facebook and Instagram. You can connect with us on Impossible Radio Show at Impossible Radio Show, Show on Facebook and at Impossible Radio on Instagram. And if you would like to learn more about myself and everything that I do, who I am, um, and what's available to you, then you can visit my website at ladyj.co. That's L-A-D-Y-J dot C-O. Now, with that being said, that mouthful, <laughs> Let's introduce our guest for today. Our guest for today is uh, Grant Lottering, and he is um, a cyclist. He's an extreme endurance cyclist, actually, to be exact. But that's not really what we're going to be talking about today, because, you know, the show is all about um, people sharing their stories of overcoming the impossible and also the lessons and the tools and the wisdom that they've learned and gained from those experiences to realize that they are actually still possible in spite of those things that they've gone through. So with that being said, let's welcome Grant to the show. Welcome, Grant. How are you? Hi. I'm great. I'm great, Lady J. Thanks for having me. It's great being the first um, guest for the year. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, so real quick, before we get into your story, can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, a um, little bit about your background and what you like to do in your spare time? Yeah, well, I'm coming to you from South Africa. I'm sitting here right down in the south of South Africa. It's around, um, yeah, it's near Cape Town. And I'm a full-time extreme endurance cyclist. I'm a corporate speaker and conference speaker. Um, also at, at, at Christian venues, I share my testimony. Uh, my book has been authored. That's coming out later this year in the United States, in fact. Uh, so there's a lot going on. And that's pretty much what I'm doing full-time at the moment. Uh, since my life changed in 2013, I was working full-time at a consultants and actuarial division in a bank here in South Africa. I was a corporate boy <laughs> most of my working life, but always been a cyclist since the age of 12. And now I'm blessed enough to be able to do it full-time. So it's wonderful. wonderful. Awesome. Awesome. Mm. So uh, let's talk a little bit about, let's go back to the beginning, actually. So... Um, tell me, yeah. before the incident took place on July 21st, um, tell me what you were doing and what led up to that point before you tell us exactly what happened and how you um, how you died. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was always a cyclist. That, that was the only sport I was good at. And that was since I was the age of 12, I discovered cycling. And, uh, you know, in South Africa, it wasn't a very big sport back back then. I'm not going to say when because I don't want to give my age away. But, um, yeah, and uh, I, I, I progressed throughout school and college. And I ended up becoming a full-time cyclist, a professional cyclist in Europe and South Africa. And then I re retired from competitive cycling. But I always continued cycling. I always enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And uh, in my latter years, in my early 40s, not too long ago, I started to race competitively again, and I actually qualified to compete in the World Championships, which at that year was going to be held in um, in Italy in 2013. Mm -hmm. And I went over to train there uh, for a good couple of months to prepare for the event itself, the World Championships. And at that time, I went uh, into a race which really was just to prepare for the World Championships. Mm -hmm. And that was where I had the accident. Yeah. Okay. So tell us what actually happened. Um, what transpired in the accident? Did you fall? What, like, what happened to you? Yeah, what happened was, um, well, firstly, when I, I was in this town called Trento, right in the, at the foot of the Alps in Italy. And uh, the race was going to go over three big mountains. It was about 140 kilometers. So that makes it, what, about 90 miles, I think. Yeah, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. But it was raining all night. So I was pretty concerned that morning. The roads were wet, very dangerous. Mm -hmm. We went over the first mountain. I was near the front of the group. I was in a very strong, competitive position. And uh, I was chasing about six guys in front of me, going over the first mountain. And down the other side, and uh, oh, you know, we were just flying down this mountain. It's roads I've never been on before. And I came around a corner, and uh, I took the corner a bit too wide, and there was water on the side of the road from the rain. And I just lost control. I went straight on. There was a rock embankment. I went straight into this rock at about sixty odd kilometers an hour, or 
40 miles an hour from the bed. And um, I, I struck the rock embankment with my right shoulder and my back with the full force of the impact. Um, mm. Well, it happened so quickly. Lady J, it's, um, I literally only had time to tell myself, don't eat your head, don't eat your head. Um, mm. And I just struck it so hard and bounced back into the road. And I lay in a fetal position on the side of the road with my legs, my lower torso in the road, facing mm -hmm. the oncoming cyclists who still came racing around that corner. Mm -hmm. And one of the guys crashed straight into me um, and he mm. actually fractured my femur, this guy. Mm. But um, that, that was only just one of, one of multiple bones that I, I broke that day, unfortunately, in that accident. Mm -hmm. So um when uh, so i know that it, at the impact i know that you were probably in excruciating um pain how did yeah. the because you all were were racing and and so it's not like you mm -hmm. were around a lot of people um how did they get yeah. to you um you know once mm -hmm. once that happened and were the other cyclists like did everyone stop uh you know what what happened after that yeah, I, I was very fortunate. Um, quite a few little miracles happened that morning. Uh, I think the first one was that I, I did not even scratch my helmet. Um, I did not hit my head. Mm -hmm. Although I fractured 22 bones. You, you know, I, I um, had compound fractures in my sternum, my lower back. I fractured 12 ribs. My right shoulder was crushed. Uh, mm -hmm. my, my, my right femur, my hip, they were all broken. Um, but I didn't even scratch my helmet. So I can remember pretty well how the, the whole thing transpired. The guy that crashed into me, he turned out to be a doctor. Can you believe it? I mean, what's well. the odds of that? <laughs> yeah. What are the odds of that? But yeah, he crashed, obviously. I mean, he crashed over me. So, um, but, but he wasn't badly hurt. And then he, he stayed with me because he could see I was seriously injured. I remember lying there just vomiting blood, screaming from the pain. I couldn't move. Mm -hmm. It was just insane. Uh, one or two other guys then also stopped, but I can just remember the cyclists just racing past, mm -hmm. all yelling to, to, to warn people behind them. Um, okay. I don't know how long, how much time transpired there, but fortunately for me, I was, I was quite in the front of the race. So, so the main race official vehicle that was following us was behind me. Uh -huh. And as it came around the corner, it stopped. There was a, a doctor in the vehicle, and he mm -hmm. was the head of the intensive care unit down in Trento, which was at that stage about 40 kilometers or, or call it 25 miles away from the start. He stopped, and the minute he got there, then they, they, they obviously started to take control of the situation. Um, mm -hmm. So there was generally only a few cyclists who stopped. And um, then the medical team started arriving, a, chop, a helicopter flew in, um, and they started to work on me. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, it was quite chaotic. Well, yeah, I can only imagine, insane. I mean, just uh, trying to envision, like, uh, mm. uh, the scenario in, in yeah. the moment. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure, uh, listeners, if you are listening like to him describing exactly what's happening and how he got to that point. I mean, it's kind of like something you would see in a movie. 
So yeah, yeah, it's still <laughs> in my mind, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just mm-hmm. the fact that you could remember that and you were lucid enough and weren't, I don't, yeah. I, I'm assuming that you didn't go into shock or anything like immediately. So, um, yeah. So I, um, my my next question then would be. Once you were rescued, if you will, um, Mm. from that area and you were Mm. taken, I'm assuming, on the chopper to a hospital. um, Did you lose consciousness at any time between uh, Mm. the the accident and on your way to the hospital? And if not, when did you lose consciousness and when did you find out that you were um, Mm. that you were deemed, you know, deceased? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I still don't know whether it was a blessing or a curse that I can remember everything. <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, you know, I, I remained conscious and I, I, I could, I quite often still talk about the experience of dying. It, it's a very difficult to, thing to do because people just cannot comprehend it. But mm-hmm. um, what I, actually happened was um you know both my lungs were punctured and my thorax also collapsed mm-hmm. so it got to a point where i i simply could not breathe any longer mm-hmm. um and i no one actually knows i still don't know whether that was the stage when the the medical doctor arrived on the scene or shortly after but i can recall that i lay as i lay in that fetal position you know i'm lying on my side my head is on the ground and I see these faces above me looking down at me trying to help I had mm-hmm. um ruptured veins in my arteries in my neck and my right arm and there was a lot of blood and guys mm-hmm. were trying to stop the bleeding holding hands onto my neck and everything mm-hmm. and I could see them out of the corner of my eye and I can still remember clearly suddenly I couldn't hear a thing I couldn't I can still see them right I still felt this incredible pain. My whole body was just, oh, I, I just cannot describe it. But I couldn't hear them anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, next thing, the pain was gone. I felt no pain, absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, obviously, I couldn't breathe, so I could just hear and feel my heart pounding in my head. And then I started to lose focus. I, I couldn't see clearly anymore. And, and I can recall still to this day, I, I lay there and, and I was trying to, to cry out and trying to, to communicate, but I couldn't. Mm-hmm. And I recall just, I think it was in my spirit. You know, my, you know, when you're in an accident like that, it's like your subconscious mind takes over because you start losing your faculties. Uh-huh. And I recall lying there and just, just saying, God, I'm dying. Um, help me, please. I'm dying. I'm busy dying. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was at that point where I, I probably lost consciousness at that point. I couldn't breathe anymore. Mm-hmm. So I, I basically just, yeah. And, and, and it was as though you, you put me into a soundproof dark room mm-hmm. where I was still, subconsciously, I was still aware, but I couldn't hear anything. I couldn't see anything. I couldn't feel anything. Mm-hmm. Very, very strange. I saw no lights in a tunnel, I can tell you that. I, I didn't see anything like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, um, it, it, interestingly for me, and, and I think maybe it's because of my faith, I don't know, but, but it became an incredibly peaceful place mm-hmm. where I, I, I was just almost like taken out of that 
chaotic situation, mm-hmm. um, quite, quite surreal. And and the doctor that treated me on the road came to see me in ICU um, 10 days or so later in hospital. Mm-hmm. And he explained to me that to defibrillate me twice, my heart stopped beating twice, and they twice had a fight to get my heart going. So they had to stay stabilized me there on the road. They they did some surgery there and everything to, to try and open up the, the, my lungs. Mm-hmm. And then they had to transport me down the mountain to where the helicopter was able to land. And there they uploaded me and flew me down to ICU. Okay. I came around uh, about I don't know, 34 hours later in ICU. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, you know, some of the things that you described, I personally can identify with um, suffering yeah. a, ruptured, a ruptured brain aneurysm and bleeding out into my brain. Sure. And yeah. losing my faculties and not being able to be, you know, conscious. Oh. Uh, I and and you're literally dying. So yeah. um, I, I can definitely identify with yeah. you. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, though, I, I don't know if oh, this wow. was if it was the same for you. But you know how people uh, um, when you go through life, nobody really likes to talk about death. But then when you're at death's door and you're dying, yeah. like a peace comes over you and you just accept mm-hmm. it. Like, okay, you know, <laughs> in your head, you're like, okay, this is happening. Um, but I know that you, yeah, it's yeah mm-hmm. um, I know that you were talk, talk, saying that in your head, you were like, okay, God, I'm dying. Help me. And that is something yeah. that comes to your, comes to your mind, especially if you have children or family, you know, things that, so you start thinking about, you know, yeah. all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Now, when you came to, or let me, when you came to and they told you that they had to um, resuscitate you twice um, with yeah, a defibrillator, yeah. or, um, mm. did you remember anything that transpired when you were, com- when you were um, flatlined? I know that you said it wasn't like you yeah. didn't see lights or anything like that, but did you mm. experience anything um in in those moments or minutes i did not i did not that's the most incredible thing i did not it was just the most incredible piece that i've ever experienced i i it's it it surpasses human understanding you know um mm-hmm. that's all i can recall I, I just had this absolute total total peace right um that i've never experienced before never okay awesome <laughs> okay so when you um, well, hold on. I, before we get to before we get to how you got to where you are now, let's just go ahead and because I this is so it's so amazing um, mm-hmm. when you find yourself in a situation like this and just to see where you are now, like it's really nothing but the grace of God. So yeah. um, before we get into uh, how Grant, you know, got through. Uh, rehab and all this other kind of stuff and what he and when you all learn what he's doing right now um, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break so that we can get those uh, bills paid real quick and then we'll be right back with grant lottering and continuing the story the grant lottery store lottering story uh, about death store Um, and you don't want to miss it so stick and stay we will be right back this is your girl, Lady J, and you are tuned in to the I'm Possible Radio Show right here on JQLM Radio, a division of Ego Entertainment Network. Would you like to advertise? 
your brand, product, service, or event to hundreds of potential clients and guests with direct links to inquire and shop immediately? Well, advertise with Ego Magazine, the hottest bi-monthly digital interactive magazine around. Your ad will include clickable buttons that lead directly to your service or product for the interactive experience. Half-page ads are only $15 and full-page ads are only $25. Did we mention that your ad runs for 60 days? Advertise with us, Ego Magazine, a division of Ego Entertainment Network. Visit www.egoentertainmentnet.com. That's www.ego. E-N-T-E-R-T-A-I-N-M-E-N-T-N-E-T dot com. And complete the form while you're there. We look forward to promoting you. Track Try Me by Arulo on MixKit.com. Hey there. If you can hear my voice, this is Pamela host of Hospital the Tea, here to remind you that Ego Entertainment Network has a lot for your business. Listen, honey, you need to get with it. Ego Entertainment offers various services, media coverage, red carpet services, promo interviews on air. They offer meet and greet services, honey, not to mention other event services. You want to get in gear. Ego Entertainment is empowered, greatness optimized. We're now booking and spots are going fast. Ego serves the United States and all event types, honey. So if you are opening a business, having a store opening, a restaurant opening, and you want some coverage, Ego Entertainment is the way to go. Call or text 317-886-0296 or go to egoentertainmentnet.com. All right. And so we are back. You are tuned into the Impossible Radio Show with your girl, Lady J, right here on JQLM Radio, a division of Ego Entertainment Network. And we have been speaking with our guest this morning, Grant Lottering. And the today's topic, uh, I entitled it Death's Door. And for those of you who are just tuning in, he was sharing how he uh, had a major accident Um as a cyclist that caused him to break a lot of bones in his body, punctured his lungs and things of that sort. He was airlifted to the hospital. He actually um, had to be defibrillated a couple times and he was sharing how that uh, transition, that transitional space, he just felt at peace. So uh, now that I have you all up to speed, uh, <laughs> let's talk about uh, Grant. Tell me, um, when you were able to fully understand the magnitude of what you had gone through, tell me how that affected you uh, mentally and emotionally being a cyclist and loving um, cycling. Did you ever get to the point where you got depressed and felt like you wouldn't be able to do that again? Tell me what kind of impact it had on you. Yeah, it had a huge impact on me. Uh, You know, it's, um, if I had to tell people what's the biggest passion in my life, then it would be cycling, riding a bike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know what happened in hospital when I camped around in ICU? Um, it was pretty traumatic for me because I had um, obviously I had a ventilator, I couldn't breathe or anything on my own, couldn't make a sound. 
So it, it was very traumatic. And and my first thought was, gee, I'm alive. I'm, I'm here. Where am I? In which hospital am I? What happened to me? What, what are my injuries? Mm-hmm. I couldn't move. And I, I was terrified because I thought I was paralyzed. Um, I was just heavily sedated. I had epidural. Can you believe it? Mm-hmm. Because of the... <laughs> For, for various reasons, but um, my brother had arrived there from, from Holland. He drove down by car. He lives in, in, in the Netherlands, and um, he saw I'd come around, and uh, he started talking to me, and I wanted to know what happened, you know, so, so I was able to write on a little piece of paper. I just wrote there, what are my injuries? Am I paralyzed? And he started talking to me, and he explained to me all my injuries, and I wanted to know, will I ride a bike again? That was my first question. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was told quite clearly during my time in, in ICU and even the doctor who came to speak to me, who saved my life, uh, we're still friends to this day. He said mm-hmm. to me, you would probably never ride a bike again because my shoulder was completely crushed. Mm-hmm. I've had 12, 11 surgeries in this right shoulder of mine to date. Mm. And it was a hot blow for me. I was... You know, initially, I had a whole phase. I, I, I think it's most of us go through that, Lady J, when, when when we face a traumatic event. You know, it's the acceptance, it's the it's the anger phase, um, you know, all those things. And yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, it was a case of I was so bitterly disappointed because I was there to train for the World Championships. And mm-hmm. this happened to me, so it's like I couldn't believe it. Like, mm-hmm. why did this happen? What have I done to deserve this? And now they're telling me I'll never ride a bike again, you know. So it was it, it was very hard for me. But truth be told, that period in ICU, it, it was just a matter of trying to get through. The pain was just off the charts. I mean, I was living on morphine. And, mm-hmm. and um, well, you can imagine with, um, if your back, your shoulder blade, your shoulder, your femur, your hip, your ribs, if you, even my sternum was fractured, you, you cannot move. You cannot even sniff. Right. It's too painful. So I was just trying to get through that. And once after nine days, they moved me to high care. They took me off morphine. And I could actually start to feel a bit more normal in a sense, especially mentally. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I was actually in a very, very bad space um, mentally. I, I, was, I was very down, very, very down. I was very concerned. We didn't know how long I was going to be in hospital. How would I get back to South Africa and all that stuff? So mm-hmm. when the doctor came to speak to me, he sat with me and, and we had a very good um, heart-to-heart conversation. He said to me in broken English, he's Italian, of course, he said to me, Grant, um, you're the first patient I can tell this, that you survived death. There's a reason you're alive. Wow. You, must, you must do something with, with this. Something happened to you and, and you can talk about it. And he left me that night. And, you know, it was as if the lights came on for me because in that situation, all I was thinking about was, you know, it's like being in a storm. You can't see clearly. It's overwhelming. Right. Um, and and you're just totally swamped with the situation. You cannot see the wood for the trees. And But after he left, I, I got some clarity and I realized, but Grant, um, yes, this happened to you. But you know what? You're alive. You're not paralyzed. Right. You can do something with your life. And and. I almost had a vision of a clean slate, a a blank book, a blank page, if you call it. Uh And and, and I figured I've been given a second chance at life here. God, you gave me a second chance at life. I determined to do something with it. Um, And one of the 
things I decided I'm going to do is I want to prove the doctors wrong. I, I decided in hospital already, I want to come back the next year and finish the race. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> no idea how that was going to happen. I mean, I couldn't <laughs> even set up. So, so yeah, that, that's pretty much how I want to answer your question. It was, I, I went through all those different emotions, but what changed for me, what became a pivotal thing for me from turning that impossible to possible for me was I changed my mindset. I changed the way I looked at the situation. I went from being the victim, thinking all the time about what happened to me, why did it happen to me, what am I going to do? Mm. I started thinking about, I'm going to go home. I'm going to get better. I'm going to get back on my bike. I'm going to come back and I'm going to finish this race. So I gave myself something to work towards. And I think mentally, if, if you make that decision, no matter what situation you're in, Mm-hmm. and you change your attitude towards the adversity you're facing, it makes a massive difference in not only what you're thinking, but also how you're feeling. Right, right, and right. It helped me tremendously. Yeah, it helped me tremendously. Right. So um, we all have that aha moment when we find ourselves in a situation that seems extremely hopeless and impossible. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when you have something as life changing and life altering as surviving mm. death, um, yeah. it really puts things into perspective for us. And the things that we took for granted, we realize how a lot of times the small things are the things that matter the most. And so, um, yeah. in so true, so true. In, um, in coming to the realization that, hey, I'm still here. Even mm-hmm. if I never get to cycle again, I'm here for a reason. And so let me yeah. figure out, you know, what that reason is and how I can take this mm. experience and start to use it to help other people is yeah. um, it's absolutely amazing. And so uh, before I before we reveal like what it is that you've been able to accomplish since then, I want to kind of walk everybody mm-hmm. through what your process was because you said that you had made up in your mind that you were going to prove the doctors wrong. So tell me what was that process like for yeah. you? And, I, and being somebody who, you know, I know that you had to go through probably a lot of rehab and things of that sort. If for those of oh, you yeah. who have yeah. never had to learn how to walk again, how to mm-hmm. you know. Um, uh, and I know for me, I couldn't do anything for myself. I couldn't feed myself. I couldn't wash myself. I, could, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't even talk. So um, it, it takes an yeah. extreme amount of of mental uh, willpower to stay dedicated. Yes. To rehab. Oh, oh yeah. my God. Uh, especially if you're in it for a very long time. And I did 18 months. Yes. So I can oh. only imagine for you, like, yeah. Um, when you have a goal in mind, if you are an extremely determined individual, it's, it takes mm-hmm. an enormous amount of willpower to be able to dedicate yourself to that and stick with it, um, even though yes. progress may seem slow. So can you walk everybody through what it was yeah. that you did to make sure that you made good on the promise to yourself that you would prove the doctors wrong? Yeah, yeah. I, oh man, I, I, I love the way you put it. I love that question. It's um, You're really talking about grit. <laughs> Grit and <mental laughs> yeah, <strength>. yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's really what we're talking about. And and you know, for me, quite simply, it's um, if you don't give yourself a purpose or 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 a a bigger goal to accomplish than the situation you're in, it's it it's very difficult to to do that and to persevere. It's very very difficult and very easy to give up. 
Um, so for me, when I came back home, I was in, in high care. And after 21 days, they flew me home with medical assistance back to South Africa. Ambulance drove me to my house. They mm -hmm. wheeled me and put me on my bed. Uh, my family and friends and everybody, I was single at that stage. I was not in a relationship. So my mother and my friends, everybody was there. And mm -hmm. when they all left for the first time since the accident, I was actually alone, you know, and, and then the reality hit me really hard as to the extent of my situation. Uh, you know, it's one thing to say, hey, I'm going to come back within a year. I'm going to finish the race. That's great. But <laughs> now it's uh, now it's also like with a, you know, now, now it's where it's hitting the tar here. You know, <laughs> you've got to get things done. All right. And, um, you know, if, if so, I had this goal, sure. But I think what I did is I immediately, I immediately gave myself a purpose. My purpose was going to become that I wanted to not just go back and finish the race. I wanted to do it, and I wanted to raise money for underprivileged children. There are so many in South Africa, so I attached a purpose to it. Because, you know, Lady J, when I lay in the hospital, um, one night, I can still remember, I, I, I was lying there, and it was dark, it was quiet, and there was no one around. And I thought to myself, Ron, if you died on that road, on that mountainside, uh, how would you have been remembered? How relevant was your life? Right. Wow. Oh, it was mm -hmm. a, it was a, it, it was a massive wake-up call for me because up to that point, I was pretty much living my life for me. I was using right. my sport for me. I was working for me. Everything was about me. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you spoke earlier about, you know, the small things in life and what really matters. And, and I remember I lay in hospital, not once did I, did I think about my work or my finances or my mm -hmm. car or my house or none of those things. I thought right. about my health. I thought about my faith. I thought about my family. And I thought about my friends. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that really matter. And so I came back home and, and I had done a lot of soul searching already. And I think it's so important for people to do that. Um, and so I had a goal. And, and yeah, I, I started working towards that. But what I also did is I started to use the power of visualization in terms mm -hmm. of not focusing on what I see every day because when I got back home I weighed oh you know what I weighed half of what I did when I when I went over to Europe mm -hmm. I was incredibly thin and I would see myself in the mirror and if if I just focused on what I saw and the pain I felt it would have mm -hmm. been incredibly difficult for me to persevere right but I I made sure that I gave myself time every day to not focus and think about what happened or where I am but to mm -hmm. see myself achieving what I'm wanting to achieve. I could sit and visualize myself riding my bike, seeing myself mm -hmm. finishing the race. And for me, that almost became my reality. You know, your, your, your mind is a very, very powerful thing. Your body responds to your mind. Right. And I'm sure you have to do that too. You know, you, you have to draw your mental strength when your body is not capable. So right. I'm at a point of doing that every single day. And that's what got me through. That's what helped me. And, and I was so determined. And I was just downright stubborn. I mean, I, I remember I went to see a surgeon. He said to me, no, you will not ride again. And I went to another surgeon. The second surgeon told me the same thing. I got wow. to a third surgeon, and he bought into my vision of wanting to ride again. He said, I'll get you back on your bike. 
it might not be mm. next year, but I will get you back on your bike. And I figured, okay, let's let's just start working out. Need surgery. He did five surgeries on me in four months. I had wow. rehabilitation. Yeah, I did rehabilitation or ex extensive rehabilitation just to try and walk again, touch my toes again, that type mm -hmm. of thing. But I found people to work with, and we had a medical team. We had a, I had a nutritionist. I had a biokineticist. I had a physio. I had a pulmonologist because my lungs were so damaged. Mm. I had a whole group of people I was working with. Mm -hmm. We all had one goal, to get me back to my bike. Mm -hmm. So that's the important thing. But for me, more than that was I had a purpose. I wanted to make my life relevant. I wanted to make a difference in children's lives. And that, to me, was a catalyst. Well, yeah. that's, that's awesome. So since the the incident and the surgeries and the rehab well yeah. first uh how long so he did five surgeries on you in four months tell me how long did it take for you to go through those surgeries go through rehab and all of that and actually be able to return to a um a level of normalcy and able to actually mm -hmm. get back on a bike yeah so my accident was 21 july 2013 Mm -hmm. uh, I got back to South Africa late August 2013, mm -hmm. September, October, November, um, as well as in Italy, we had the five surgeries. My goal was always to get to start riding my bicycle, whether it's for five minutes, three minutes, doesn't matter, on 1 February 2014. Mm -hmm. The race that I wanted to go back and finish was the 4th of July 2014. That's 11 months after my accident. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was at home recovering until the end of 2014. That's that's I hadn't even returned back to work then. Towards Christmas of 2013 was the first time I was able to actually walk around my house without having to, to sit down and recover somewhere. I had wow. a crutch, of course, but now how long it took. Uh, I could start riding my bicycle on the 1st of February 2014 for about 10 minutes. That was it. Um, mm -hmm. So from there, the recovery started. I started gaining strength and muscle mass and that very quickly from there on. So mm -hmm. that first, those first six, seven months was the, was a real hard, hard part for me. But even when I, when I stood on the start line in, uh, in, in Italy in 2014, Apart from being obviously terrified and thinking, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> um, I still couldn't pick up a big bag with my right shoulder, with my right arm. I still couldn't. It was still too weak. Mm -hmm. So I, I took a massive gamble. I just knew it would be destiny. I had to do it, even though I hadn't fully recovered yet. Right. Okay. Um, That's awesome. That is amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so now, fast forward to yeah uh to hear you know recently and now you started a tour um the impossible tour mm -hmm. and um can you tell everyone yes. a little bit about that yeah I, you know i'm so proud of it and i really believe it's something that that um was divinely inspired so when i went back to finish the race i crashed in i remember after the finish um i went to my brother and we had a beer in a pub up on the top of the mountain it was wonderful it's my first beer since my accident mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, I, said, I said to him brother i just completed something that everybody said was impossible mm -hmm. wow and we had a chat about it and i said to him you know what that that has just become my i'm possible aubrey 
Audrey Hepburn said, I'm possible, impossible spells are impossible. And I said mm. to him, I want to do this every year. If I can do this with, with one leg and one arm, what can I do when I'm fully recovered? So the idea was born right there. So 2015, right. I went back to France and I rode a 24-hour ride through the Alps on my own, nonstop through the day, through the night, raised a lot of money for kids. And every year it just grew from there. Uh, and, and yeah, it's just remarkable if I look back before my accident, if you told me I would ride 600, 700 miles nonstop without sleeping through the Alps day and night in the dark, up and down these mountains in 48 hours, 60 hours, I would have told you, you are mad. That would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> but that's exactly what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just... You know, it, it, it's always just been such a humbling experience. And then with corporate sponsors getting involved with me and, and even now where I'm able to now share my story in the United States and I'll be going over there soon. I'm sure we'll talk about it later. Mm-hmm. It's just grown every year. And it's just from this desire that I have to inspire people, to challenge people, to not put other people's limits on you in right. terms of what they think you can and can't do. That's what mm-hmm. drives me. I inspire people and I use these tours to raise money for charity for underprivileged children. Right. Okay. Uh, 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 that is, I mean, you know, I, I love the impossible, um, I, the impossible tour yeah. as far as the cycling and raising um, funds for children. That's just, um, it's amazing. Now, I don't know about the cycling for that long for no 48 hours, <laughs> but you have to be in enormous shape yeah. for that. Uh, um, I will say that, uh, it's just, it's, it's really unbelievable when you think about where you were and then where you are now, it's, it, it really truly is unbelievable. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's yeah, absolutely it a living, breathing example of a true miracle, you know, and it just yeah. is, um, so we're going to go ahead and take our last break. And then when we come back, I am going to let, uh, Grant. Uh, share um, the last part of um, his story and talk about what he'll be doing here in the U.S. and his book and all of this good stuff and how you all can support and follow and and all of that. So stick and stay. We'll be right back. You are tuned in to the Impossible Radio Show with your girl, Lady J, right here on JQLM Radio, a division of Ego Entertainment Network. Join the JQLM Radio family today. Syndicate your show or come host and produce your own show on air, live, or pre-recorded from anywhere in the world. That's not all. JQLM Radio also distributes your episodes to all major podcast platforms like iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and more. Come join this full service and support platform. Get help with sponsorships, Built from our current listeners from all over the world in 45 countries and growing. Gain access to promotional materials and let JQLM Radio promote you too. And be a part of our live media coverage team that covers events and hosts red carpet activities with celebrities and more. For more information or to join now, visit www.egoentertainmentnet.com or email us at jqlmradio at gmail.com. JQLM Radio, real voices, raw entertainment, and relevant topics. Track, 
Funk by Arulo. If you're tired of hearing the same music and content every 5, 10, or 15 minutes on air, then check out JQLM Radio for the realest, rawest, and most relevant variety of music, talk shows, and more. Start your days with a little bit of gospel and gospel rap from 4 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. All of my life, I never know you to fail. You deliver me. Cause all I see to do is huh. Coming to break it down with that wiggity wiggity style Man, we really been living it out of music Then get into some hot R&B Some hip-hop A little bit of pop. And some Neo Soul for the rest of the day. JQLM Radio, real, raw, and relevant. All right, and we are back. You are tuned into the Impossible Radio Show with your girl, Lady J, right here on JQLM Radio, a division of Ego Entertainment Network. And I have been speaking with my guest, Grant Lottering, who has been sharing his amazing story of surviving death and getting back to cycling and even doing more than he was doing before. So, uh, Grant, can you share uh, a little bit mm. about what it is that you are doing now or um and what you're bringing to the u.s your new book and all of that good stuff yeah super excited um it was actually during during the pandemic in 2020 that um, i was contacted by um by guys in the states uh you know we saw my story on social media and that and you know, fast forwarding a year or two up to now, um, I have a wonderful sponsor, the United Health Chain Ministry, UHSM. They're bringing me over mm-hmm. in April, and we are planning my first time possible tour through California in the first week of June. And uh, it's going to be a big one. I'm going to be riding right up from north of um, uh, Lake Tahoe all the way down to Orange County. And uh, it'll probably take me all of about 70 odd hours, I think, <laughs> mm-hmm. continuous riding. So that's going to be a big one. I'm doing it for the Laureus Sport for Good Foundation USA, of whom, mm-hmm. for, for whom I am an ambassador actually here in South Africa. They use sport programs to help kids come off the streets, all that, teach them life skills. It's really, really wonderful what they do. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be raising money for them. So the support of UHSM, we've also awesome. been able to author my book. Uh, which, yeah, which we're going to launch called Before I Die Again. We're going to bring out the book sometime this year in the States. We're going to release it. I'm super excited about that. Uh, I'm going to be sharing my testimony at a few conferences over in the States. Uh, there's some speaking engagements lined up already. But really working with, with UHSM has been an absolute um, absolute gift, you know, um, simply because of, of their incredible work they do with communities 
especially in California. So it ties in quite a lot with what I do as well, mm -hmm. raising money for, for children, underprivileged children in particular. So I'm super excited for that. Yeah, we, um, we're going to do a US Impossible tour, the first one. Um, wow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's just something I sometimes I still pinch myself thinking, you know, how did this door to the States just open like that? It's quite remarkable. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, wow, that's awesome. And California, I mean, what better <laughs> state to do it in to, you know, yeah. I mean, that's going to be that's going to be epic. Uh, yeah, so pretty much. your book, tell us when when do you expect for that to come out and um, where will people be? A, will it be available actually first for um, pre-order? If so, how can they do that? Yeah, it's a little bit premature for me to be able to give you that kind of information right now because we're still finalizing, um, um, you know, one or two um, details around around the book deal and that itself. The, the plan is to release the book after my tour. My tour will be the first week of June. Okay. The plan is to release it afterwards while I am in the United States. So, so, so we are aiming for June. Um, I think we will definitely have pre-order um, books available, um, probably through UHSM, but also through my website, grantlottering.com. We'll see how we how we do that. Um, but it's very exciting. And uh, we, you know, we want to release it in the States first, obviously, because of my sponsor there. And, and um, right. you know, yeah, they, they made the, the book possible for me. You know, we have an author in, in, in London who wrote the book for me. So... You know, they would played a big part in that. Um, yeah, so the best thing would be through my website. We we obviously through UHSM, we're going to release a lot of information in the media as well. Mm -hmm. um, media releases and so on. Okay, awesome. Uh, so can you share with everyone, how can they support you, follow you, connect with you, all of that? Yeah, it'll be wonderful. So I do have my website, grantlottering.com. Okay. The best, though, uh, just go straight to Instagram. Do follow me, please, guys. Uh, yes, I'm here in South Africa. I'm going to be over in the States pretty soon. <laughs> We're also working on a documentary. There's a lot of stuff going on. But but really, my content is uplifting. It's inspirational. It's motivational. I, I do speak at, at, at many corporate events. So I always try and share things that will encourage and inspire people. And, of course, also with my cycling and all that, uh, my, my Instagram handle is G lottering, straightforward G lottering. Um, it'll be great to get a follow through that. Uh, otherwise, just go to my website. All my social media handles are on there mm -hmm. um, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram. Awesome. That'll be awesome. great. I'll appreciate that. In terms of fundraising, yeah, in terms of fundraising, we will have a. We will have a strategy which we'll put in the media. We will we will share it through my social media and through UHSN as well. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really great, yeah. Man, uh, Grant, it has definitely been a pleasure having you on, sharing your story. Um, oh, I've loved it. Thank you. It's definitely one yeah, for. <laughs> it's definitely one for the for the books. I mean, it's it's a it's an amazing story of you know overcoming the absolute impossible um but um as you as all of my listeners as you all know i'm always listen nothing is impossible with god when and when he's in it there is no limit so um, um so if you have any final thoughts that you would like to share it with 
uh, the audience or what is the main takeaway that you would like for everyone to take away from your story? What would that be? Oh, you know, really, I, I would say two things, maybe three. The first one is don't let other people put their limits on you in terms of what you can and can't do. Don't. Um, you know, and, and, and also we all face adversity. A lot of, and I know even in the States that this past year or two has been incredibly tough for everyone. Um, I think it's the attitude that we have towards adversity that makes a difference. Right. Make sure your attitude is right use it don't let it use you you know when life takes a turn for the worse do something with it don't let it do something with you um i can you can and you know with god in you yeah nothing's impossible mm -hmm. yes yes absolutely that's it absolutely so everyone we have come down to the end of our show um this has been an amazing um show you know listening to grant share his story i hope that you all were able to take something away from this um you know and the words of wisdom that he's left with you all um again i just want to thank you for coming on here and i you know hope and you know pray that you can continue to be successful in all that you are doing utilizing you know what i'm saying your gifts your talents and your life experience to um encourage and uplift others um absolutely wonderful uh so, so everyone uh, no problem no problem uh so as i always <laughs> say before i close out the show after all of the hell you went through the word through is an indication that you defeated the impossible too new adversities will come but mm -hmm. overcoming them has already made you unstoppable the favor over your life incomparable which gives you the right to think and believe I'm possible. This is your girl, Lady J. You've been tuned in to the Unpossible Radio Show right here on JQLM Radio, a division of Ego Entertainment Network. Love y'all. Deuces. <laughs>